Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Um, it is extremely important that we come together for times of teaching. Um, you can't accomplish everything in one service. I hope you realize that. And so we do need to set times aside where there's specific emphasis. Next Wednesday night, the emphasis will be on worship when we come together, and we will worship God. There will be an encouraging message, but the, the primary emphasis next week is going to be on worship. Tonight and, and following through on the rest of the Wednesday nights during the month, uh, we'll, the emphasis will be on teaching. Now, um, please don't look at one better than the other or one less than the other. Just look at this entire experience that you're having when you come to church. And truthfully, I love Wednesday nights. I love Wednesday nights for this reason. I learned this a long time ago. I've been doing this for 35 years now. When I say doing this, I mean uh, being walking with the Lord, being uh, um, born again, spirit-filled, 35 years. But some of the greatest times I've ever had in church were times of sitting there and listening to somebody teaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You remember this, okay? The very first time that Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit, he introduced him as the teacher. We have this tendency to put the teaching last, and we want to see the Holy Spirit do everything else first. Yet when Jesus introduced him, he introduced him primarily as our teacher. And so one of the most amazing experiences you can have is to receive the teaching that the Holy Spirit wants us to have, okay? The emphasis right now for this month has been on the teaching on angels. I've been waiting for a long time to teach on this subject because this is one of those subjects out of the Bible that it seems like everybody puts their own spin on it. Uh, very few of what you've probably learned on TV, on the internet, through popular culture, uh, regarding angels, I doubt very much if any of it was scriptural uh, because the scriptures teach us so much different than what we're taught even by tradition. So I can't possibly review everything that we covered two weeks ago and on it, obviously we lost last Wednesday. So I'm going to do my best tonight to jump into this subject. I'll do a little bit of a review and then I want to kind of finish this up. And um, uh, next month we've got an awesome bunch of teachers that are going to be here. Uh, make sure that you get here. Make sure that you bring somebody, okay? You see, it's in the teaching sessions that we grow. It's the Word of God that causes us to grow. Worship is predominantly for the Father. Worship is for Him. Worship is our opportunity to come together to declare our adoration for Him, our affection for Him, our, our respect for Him, our honor for Him. And so that's for God, and, and we need to do that. He's worthy, right? He's worthy of the honor, worthy of the praise, worthy of our thanksgiving. And we can have emotional experiences doing worship, but we grow under the teaching of the word. Amen? So we have entitled this series, Angels, Supernatural Secret Agents, God's Supernatural Secret Agents. And the term angel simply means a messenger or an ambassador. Uh, they were created supernaturally in order to function supernaturally, okay? 
just very quickly, um, never mind, I'm going to get off. Let me stick with my notes. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that there are ministering spirits. What does that mean, ministering spirits? It's that, you know, we don't call an angel pastor, we don't call an angel reverend. That's mean, I don't mean minister in that sense. Ministering spirits, when the Bible talks about ministering spirits, it means that they are spirits that were created by God to serve. You remember the true meaning of the word minister. I know it's lost its meaning throughout the centuries. The true meaning of minister is not someone who's elevated above others. It's not someone who carries a specific title, although legally I'm required to carry a specific title. But a minister in the original Greek language was the word diakonos, which is where we get the word deacon. And even deacon has come to be known as a title in the church of somebody who's special. No, when you translate it directly from the Greek language, the word minister means servant. So we could say it this way, that these angels have been created. They are spirits that serve. Now, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 says, uh, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Verse 14 says about the angels, are they not all ministering spirits, spirits sent forth to do what? To minister to those who will inherit salvation. Two weeks ago, we talked about how powerful angels are. We talked about the fact that in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 37, there's an account there of a, an incident that took place in the history of the nation of Israel where uh, the king of, of, of Syria came to surround the city of Jerusalem. He sent his armies there to, be, to besiege the city. And uh, king, uh, king Hezekiah went to the temple on behalf of, 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 of this incident that was taking place, kind of poured his heart out to God. Uh, the prophet Isaiah... Uh, Prophet Isaiah stood up and said, there will not be one arrow that will be shot in this battle. And sure enough, Isaiah 37, 36 says, then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses all dead. One angel killed 185,000 soldiers. That's powerful. You don't want to mess with angels. This is why I'm saying most of what we've been taught or what we've kind of witness in popular culture, angels are these flowery, you know, uh, laid back individuals and they're cute, or you have the baby little cherubs, the fat little cherubs, uh, you know, with their violins or harps or trumpets or, or, you know, especially around Christmas time, we love the fat little baby angels. Uh, But uh, honestly speaking, if an angel walked into this room right now, and, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if there's angels in the room right now that we just don't see them, but if one of them were to appear, in their original form, we would all hit the deck in a matter of seconds because they are frightening. They are frightening, okay? Uh, The other thing we studied is that angels were the first beings to worship God. Uh, Imagine that. Before anyone existed, before any person existed, angels were worshiping God. And we get a glimpse in that in the book of Revelation. Say, well, how can we get a glimpse in the past in the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation gives us a glimpse of what's going on in the spirit world eternally, okay? Uh, you understand that, right? You say, well, the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible and it talks about the future. No, the book of Revelation not only talks about the future, but gives us a glimpse into the past and gives us a glimpse into eternity past. So uh, it says here uh, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, this is John speaking, the apostle John. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. In other words, 
There's too many to even count, okay? And this is what the angels were saying with a loud voice, verse 12. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Well, well guess what? John, the apostle, experienced this 2,000 years ago. But those same angels that he witnessed then are doing the same thing right now as we're sitting here. They're still worshiping God. Isaiah, 700 to 800 years prior to John's time, got a glimpse of the same thing. He saw these angels just flying around the throne of God, saying, saying just worthy is the lamb. Worthy, 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 worthy. And to this day, they are still, right now, as we're seated here, they are still worshiping God. Amen? So, angels exist to do God's will. Angels are messengers to us, and they can, if it's God's will and God's plan for our life, they can reveal his will and his plan to us. Now, now let me just, just balance this out here for a little bit. Predominantly, when you need to know the will of God, how are you going to find it? In the word, in the word. Okay, so we need to balance this. And not, not everyone is going to experience uh, an angelic appearance. Uh, it's not something we should pray for. It is not something we should verbalize and just vocalize because, you see, we have um, angels that have followed God and stayed loyal to him. And I'm going to talk a lot about this towards the end of the message tonight. But we also, there also exists angels that did not remain loyal to God, that turned against God, followed Lucifer in his rebellion. Lucifer then became Satan. And so there are, we know one-third of the angels, we don't know how many exist, but one-third of them followed Lucifer. The other two-thirds stayed with God. Now, those angels that followed Lucifer, uh, the apostle Paul writes in the New Testament that they can appear as angels of light, but in fact, they are actually evil spirits, Okay. So you don't want to be, oh, I, wish I, could, I wish I could see an angel. God sent me an angel. God sent me an angel. God's not the only one that hears you when you talk. How many of you know that, right? God's not the only one that hears you when you talk. And the last thing you need is to have deception come upon your life uh, because you may be entertaining something that you think is an angel of God, but it is not. It's actually uh, an evil spirit, okay? So let's not be looking. If God, does God know where you live? Yes. Turn to somebody and say, he knows where you live. If he needs to get a messenger to you, an angel to you, he knows where you are. You don't have to ask him. In fact, I, I can't think of one instance in the Bible where anybody prayed for an angel to come because usually when an angel showed up, the first thing the angel has to say is fear not, okay? Because it's terrifying to have one of those, especially if it's a warring angel. You know, imagine what the ones look like that God placed outside of the Garden of Eden with flaming swords as if they weren't frightening enough Flaming swords, okay? So now we hear, here we have an incident that's recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 1. I'm sure you're very familiar with this. Uh, it's specifically addressing the issue of angels um, delivering a message of God's plan and God's will. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. 
But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, so we see we can have conversations with an angel at times, okay? So Mary answered and said to her, excuse me, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? In other words, I've never had relations, I'm, I'm a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, so now, now watch this now, so angels are also aware of the plan of God, okay? He knew how this was gonna come to pass. He didn't say, hey, listen, I, I wasn't prepared for that question, I'll be right back. He was informed. He knew the will of God. Okay, are you catching this? Okay, so, so the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, he also, not only was he aware of the plan of God, not only did he have a message for Mary, but he was also, Gabriel was also aware of what had taken place with Mary's cousin, okay? We're gonna find out here. He knows what's going on in the whole family. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. So not only did he know she was gonna get pregnant, he also knew it was gonna be a boy. You, you catching this? Okay. So, uh, and this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren, and we know that this is John the Baptist's mother who was very old when she conceived. Verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the man's maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay? You catching this? So an angel could be used by God to bring a message, to bring a plan, to reveal a strategy, to also reveal what's going on in other people's lives, okay, when it's necessary. Angels can be instruments, they can be instrumental in the salvation of the lost. I know I found myself praying this way many times over the years. Father, send an angel to so-and-so. Or send an angel to talk to somebody to go talk to so-and-so. You say, well, what is that based on, Pastor? What, what, what are you basing that on? What, it, what precedent do you have? Because, you know, we can have faith in a precedent when we see the precedent in the Word of God, right? Yes? Now watch this. Acts chapter 10 centers around an individual whose name is Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman official. He is a believer in God. Now watch this now. He's a believer in God as far as Judaism can take him. He's, he's a believer in the God of Israel. And being a believer in the God of Israel, he is doing what um, he saw the Jews of his time in Jerusalem, in, in, in that land. He, he's following their custom. Now watch this now. There was a certain man, this is Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 1. There was a certain man in, in Caesarea called Cornelius. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you have that, do you? Yeah. I mean, can you grab it real quick? Acts chapter 1, New King James. I'm going to keep going, and maybe you guys can keep up. I'll catch up. I, I apologize. I put that in my, the last minute. Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bible, if you have your phone, you open it up and you can read it. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Now, Ces the reason he's in Caesarea that's where the Roman soldiers were, were housed. That's where they were encamped, okay? 
his name is Cornelius, a centurion, so it means he was over, uh, he was over a band of soldiers, a regiment of soldiers, called the Italian Regiment. In other words, these, these, these men came directly, directly from, from Rome, from Italy, stationed in Caesarea. Verse 2 tells us a little bit about him. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always, because that's what you did if you're a Jew at that time. You very much, uh, your relationship with God was very much based on your activity, what you can give, who you can help, uh, if you could perform blessings or perform what's called mitzvahs, and then those things count towards your kind of relationship with God, okay? Um, so he's a devout man who feared God with all his household. So he, not only was he a believer, but it was the majority of his household, obviously, were also believers, following his example. And the way he related to God was to give alms. What is alms? Anybody, I don't want to assume everybody knows. Uh, he gave money. He gave offerings. He supported the poor. He might have helped widows. He might have helped families that were in need or might have even been his own soldiers that might have been in need. And so he's developed this, this lifestyle of giving. And he prayed. Verse 3 says, about the ninth hour of the day, and if we're going by the Roman calendar, right, the Roman clock, that would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, so the angel even knows his name, Okay, And when he observed him, he was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? Now, now you'll notice, if you look at the screen, Lord is not capitalized. Right? You see that? Because th- this, this is not a divine being. This is not God. So what he really said was, what is it, sir? Not knowing who this is that's before him. So he said... Now, the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Oh, I could teach on this one for hours. God in heaven was aware of Cornelius' giving habits. Now, I don't want to go back to the teaching from the last weekend, but it's extremely important that part of our lifestyle is giving. Are you listening? Obviously, there's a recording system in heaven. Oh, it gets quiet when you talk about this stuff. <laughs> There's an angel up there with a calculator. Probably one of the old-fashioned ones with the tape, you know, cha-ching, cha-ching. How much tape have they spent on you? All right, I'll keep going. It's teaching for another day. So he said to him, your prayers, so they hear us in heaven when we're praying, and your alms, your giving, has come up to God as a what? Memorial. A memorial. See, we've been talking about for the past few weeks. Giving, bringing our tithes, giving offerings is not about money. It's about honor. It's about honor. And God obviously was honored by this man who's not a Jew, but is conducting himself as a believer. So it got noticed in heaven. Now watch this now. We're talking about angels being instrumental in the salvation of the lost. Okay. So, he said, your prayers have been, have been come up to, to, to God as a memorial. And now the next thing, verse 5, now the angel gives instruction to Cornelius. Watch this now. Now, the, the instruction, he's been sent for what reason? Because he's a giver 
and because he's a prayer. So the angel is sent from heaven to come to earth to speak to Cornelius. Now the angel, watch this now, the angel doesn't bring the message of the gospel. Now there will be a time in the future, and the book of Revelation tells us in the future that an angel will be sent to preach the gospel, but not now, and never up until this point. So he said, now send to Joppa, which is modern-day Haifa in Israel, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. We say nicknames, Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from, the, from among those who were waiting on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, if you know the rest of the story, while this angel's appearing to Cornelius in Joppa, Peter's having a vision. And in that vision, God is speaking to him about getting involved and preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, to non-believers. I don't have time to go through the whole thing. It's a teaching for another night. You can go read Acts chapter 10. So it's amazing how God sets up divine appointments and uses angels. In this instance, he used an angel to bring two parties together. Peter goes to Cornelius' house, which is unusual to begin with because a Jew is not supposed to enter into the house of a Gentile. But he's been given command of God. The angel set this up. When he gets to Cornelius' house, Peter, along with a few of the people that he brought from Jerusalem, begins to preach the gospel. Now, mind you, say, well, they already believed in God. Yeah, but they didn't believe in Jesus. They believed in God as far as they could, but they hadn't heard the message of Jesus, the Messiah. And so Peter preaches this message, and watch this marvelous thing that takes place. Not only do they get born again, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues. All in one shot. So somewhere along the way there, without an altar call, without bow your heads, close your eyes, somewhere along the line, these people who listened to the message of the gospel became believers, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. And an angel set the whole thing up. Now, not only are angels involved in, in the uh, bringing the salvation to the lost, when the lost finally get saved, they rejoice. Luke chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus is teaching. Or, and I'm just picking up in the middle of this thing here for the sake of time. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, and I'll explain that to you. If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me. For I have found the piece, the coin, which I've lost. Jesus uses that as an illustration. His point is in verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we know this, and this isn't the only place it's located in the Gospels. We know this. When somebody here on earth makes a decision to receive Christ as the Lord and Savior, it triggers a party in heaven. Angels start rejoicing. It's almost like when you're on Facebook, when you, when you type in congratulations to somebody, what happens? What happens? Pooh, all the balloons. And... Same thing happens in heaven. Amen? Now, Jesus was trying to make an illustration here, point in an illustration. And he used an illustration that spoke very loudly to the people at that time. Today, we're like, okay, so she lost a penny. 
No, 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 no. That's not what this is referring to. See, in ancient times, a, a woman didn't wear a wedding ring. She wore a headpiece that was something that fit over her head that was a, 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 most of the time gold. Uh, you can see it today. If you go, if you look up, if you Google Yemenite brides, when a, when a Jewish bride from, the, from Yemen, which is the southern part of Saudi Arabia, when they get married, they wear pounds and pounds of gold. Okay? So, so Jesus is referring to the headpiece that a bride would wear, and it would fit over here, and on that headpiece would have 10 gold coins. And he's saying if one of those gold coins gets lost, that woman's going to tear the house apart. My wife lost her engagement ring one time. Tore the house apart. Tore the house apart. Because you know what that means. Ladies, is it important? If you lose your wedding ring, if you lose your engagement ring, especially if it's more than about a quarter of a carat, if it's a nice, some of you ladies have gotten lost, purposely got rid of them. <laughs> so, you, so your husband can buy you a new one, a bigger one, bigger one. But you know what I'm saying? He's saying to the extent that a woman would tear the house apart to find that coin, we would say in today's language, to the extent that a woman would tear the house apart, move all that furniture, get gargantuan energy all of a sudden, they start moving couches and everything else. To that extent, do the angels rejoice in heaven when one lost person is found. Amen? So we see the angels not only set, up, set people up to be saved, they also celebrate when the person receives salvation. Are you learning anything tonight? Yes. Now, now, let's not forget, I don't want to just be rattling facts over here. Everything that an angel can do for a human being, remember this, is an expression of the love of God towards us. He didn't have to create these beings. He didn't have to empower them to come and to protect us and to, pro to bring provision at times, to bring strength, which we're going to talk about now. He could have kept them in heaven to just worship him. But because he's love, he desires to send as much help as possible to his children here on the earth. So don't, don't just take these as interesting facts. Take them as an expression, as a demonstration of the love of God towards us. Amen? So angels can bring physical strength to the weary. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 18, it says here, then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And if you know Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is having a visitation from an angel who is going to reveal to him his future and his people's future, okay? And he said, verse 19, and he said, the angel said, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord, or there again, there again, it's, it's not capitalized because angels will not receive worship. Remember, we talked about this two weeks ago. Angels will not receive worship. Angels are not considered divine. They are supernatural, but they're not divine, okay? And so Daniel was using the term of respect and honor what we would say today, sir, okay? So he spoke to me and I was strengthened and, and, and said, let my Lord, sir, speak, for you have strengthened me. And then if you read the rest of the chapter, this angel begins to reveal to Daniel what's gonna happen in the future. And literally, and we may talk about this 
uh, in April when we get closer to Easter, uh, literally, literally gives Daniel the exact day that the Messiah will walk into the city of Jerusalem. Okay, we call it Palm Sunday, all right? So we have another example here in the Garden of Gethsemane. What are we talking about? Angels can bring physical strength to the weary. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Coming out, speaking of Jesus, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. And his disciples also, his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter temptation. Verse 41. And he, Jesus, was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then look at verse 43. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, doing what? Strengthening him. Strengthening him. So, let's come to the place now of talking about how do we release the ministry of angels? Because we are instrumental in releasing the ministry of angels on our own behalf. Amen? I remember many, many years ago when I first became a Christian, it's had to be at this point at least 32 years ago, hearing a teaching on this subject of angels. And the gentleman who was teaching made a curious statement to start with. And of course, being young in the Lord, not knowing that much back then, kind of got, got my attention. He said, most of you who's talking to a crowd, maybe about the size of this crowd tonight, most of your angels are on the unemployment line. I was like, what's he talking about? I didn't know they get benefits too. <laughs> he said, most of your angels are on the unemployment line. They're standing around waiting to do something. Waiting to do something. Because you know, you have angels assigned to you. You realize that, right? You really, I, I hope you realize that. You have angels assigned to you, okay? So, Psalm 103, verse 20. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Version. Bless the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his commandments, obeying the voice of his word. Now, the King James Version, I like the King James Version in this one, in this scripture. It says this, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Hearken. When I hear that word hearken, hearken, I see a picture. When I hear the word hearken, I see a picture of an individual standing poised, poised, ready to take action, but waiting for a command or waiting for a release. Okay, so can you picture this? Can you picture that you've got angels that while you're sleeping, they're poised, they're waiting. While you're going about your business all day long, they're waiting. While you're wringing your hands over a problem, they're, st they're waiting. Like, come on, give me something to do. Let me take care of this. I want you to get this picture. This was one of the main reasons why I wanted to teach this, this series is because the fact of the matter is God has assigned angels to our lives. And we're going about things, trying to do things on our own. Yeah, we'll pray. But the scripture says they hearken unto the voice of his word. Uh, Leanne, can I borrow your Bible for just a second? Can I just, can I just have that? No. You, you, do, do anybody else have a Bible here? If you don't, do you have your phone? Is there a Bible app on your phone? Let me see your phone. If you have a Bible app on your phone, let me see. If you got your Bible, wave your Bible. Now, now do this with your Bible or with your phone. Go like this. 
Do you hear anything? <laughs> now, there's a reason why I'm doing this, okay? Now, let, maybe I should open it and put, maybe if I put the pages itself. It says that they hearken unto the voice of his word. Who is the voice of his word? If you do not give voice to this word, it remains letters on a page. The devil is not afraid of your Bible. Sickness does not respond to your Bible. You listening to me? Here you go. So what's this scripture telling us? If you don't speak it, they stand there poised. You listening? Okay. Our words release them. When we speak God's word, they are sent forth to make sure that his word does not return empty. Look at Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. This is a principle that we need to get in our hearts and not just get it there so we memorize it, but start to walk in it. Somebody has got to speak God's word or it remains dormant. You listening to me? Somebody's got to speak his word or it remains dormant. Now, this is one of the ways that God performs his promises is through the ministry of angels, his servants that are set in place to serve us. Okay? And listen, I know sometimes we get these ideas where I'm just not worthy of God. I'm just not worthy of his love. I'm not worthy of his promises. I'm not worthy of these angels. You're thwarting what God wants to do. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God knows that we're not worthy? Yeah, of course he does. What did he do to remedy that problem? He sent Jesus, who lifted us out of the muck, who lifted us out of the junk of our lives. And through his blood, made us capable of, of restored relationship with the Father. And so even though the truth is we don't deserve anything that he gives us, his grace comes. And through his grace and by his grace, we're made worthy. And one of the main reasons why we're made worthy is because when he sees you, he sees Jesus. He has chosen to see Jesus. Not that he sees Jesus because you're, you're acting like Jesus. He sees Jesus because he has chosen to look through those eyes that when he looks at you and looks at me, he sees his son. And everything that you and I inherit, all the promises of God, are only because we're in relationship through the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I may be getting off topic here for the next 10 seconds, but let me just throw this out at you. When God fulfills a promise in your life, it's being fulfilled indirectly. He's really fulfilling the promise to Jesus on your behalf. Are you listening? Because you're in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Yes or no? Yes. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He's a new creation. So, so, this is all about covenant, and, and keep reminding me, keep reminding me, somebody remind me in the next month or so to start teaching on covenant, because we need to learn that. 
It's all about covenant. So God is in covenant with Jesus. You and I are in Jesus. So when God fulfills a promise, it's between the two of them. That's why you have to be in Christ. All right, good. We'll get that another time. Now watch this now. Notice this, and I hope you grabbed a hold of this, what I just taught. Our words release God's angels to go forth on our behalf by speaking God's word, okay? But also notice this. Not only with our words do we release God's angels to go on our behalf, but also with our words we can limit or we can cancel the devil's assignment against us by speaking the word of God. So, well, pastor, what has it got to do? The devil is an angel. He's an angel that went bad. All the ones that followed him are still angels, but they're angels that went bad. So the principles that God released into the earth to his people pertaining to angels is not limited to only his angels. It's lim- it's, it also involves and also includes, listen, this is, this is, this is going to help some people. Included in these principles are also the angels that followed Lucifer. So if our words can release the angels on our behalf, then our words could also cancel the assignment of the devil against your life, against your family, against your job, against your health, against your finances. You have an enemy that hates you. Are you listening? Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, destroy, I have come to do what? Jesus said, I came to give them life and give them what? Abundant, superabundance in the original language. So, Jesus in the wilderness, after 40 days, no food, no drink, the devil came to him to tempt him. And it tells us, Matthew chapter 4, I believe it is, verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Yeah, you would be too. I don't think we would have made it 40 days and 40 nights. Not unless somebody had a gun to your head, right? Now when the tempter came to him, now notice, notice what the devil is described as what? The tempter. Came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he, Jesus, answered and said, now, who, who is he speaking to? Who is Jesus speaking to? The devil, which is an angel. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the devil must have went, ah. <laughs> Verse four. Excuse me, verse five. Then the devil, because he's going to try to come back again, took him up to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, now, now, look at this. The devil, who's an angel, also knows how to quote scripture. Because he's quoting from Psalm 91 here. <laughs> he said, again, throw yourself off, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 8, and again the devil took him up to exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. 
Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and watch, and behold, angels came and did what? Ministered to him. This is a valuable lesson here. You say, well, that was Jesus. He's the son of God. Oh, sweetheart, you're missing a point here. Jesus did not operate as God on the earth. Jesus operated as a man on the earth with the Holy Spirit upon him, just like you and me. And in that, in that position, in his humanity, he was able to take authority over the devil and so can you, and so can I. So, so get this concept, because we have this, this habit of making a distinction between God's angels and, and Lucifer's angels. And we think, well, well you know, they're, they're one thing and God's angels another. No, no, no. They're still under the same principles that God released into the earth when he originally created all the angels at the same time. Are you catching this? So, so do, you, do you think your words are powerful? Yeah. Is there power in your words? Yes. Now, you're going to need to speak, with them, speak them with confidence. You can't go, um, Mr. Devil, um, if you don't mind, would you please remove yourself? And... There's a bunch of guys that talked about in Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 19, if I'm not mistaken. Seven sons of a Jewish priest who decided they heard what Jesus had done, they heard what Paul was doing, and they tried to take authority over an evil spirit in a man. And the devil spoke out of the man and said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who the heck are you? <laughs> Beat them up, sent them off naked. Okay? Now, they were Jews. They believed in God, but they had not yet received the Messiah. And, it, and you know, you can believe in God and not yet receive the Messiah. And so you ha you'll know about God but you will not have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And it's the Holy Spirit inside you that when we speak, releases that power, and the enemy has to respond. He's got to obey. Are you listening? He's got to obey. So, there's a testimony that I want to give you. It's not mine. It's from someone in this church I asked permission from this individual to be able to share this story because it, it is directly tied to what we just talked about. I'm going to read it to you. Now, let me just give you some, some background first. Let me give you a backstory here. In part one, two weeks ago, I taught that angels are not deceased, deceased loved ones. How many remember that? How many of you know that? Angels are not deceased loved ones. I know we have these stupid things that we say when we go to a funeral or we visit somebody who's lost a loved one. You know, God needed another angel. That's baloney. Human beings do not become angels when we get to heaven, okay? No more than a person that goes to hell doesn't become an evil spirit. Are you listening? You remain the species that you are, okay? Now, because we're born again, because we're filled with the spirit, we are supernatural in nature, just like Jesus was when he was on the earth, right? But loved ones, departed loved ones do not become angels. And I taught that specifically because I've had to counsel individuals and I've had to pray for individuals as well as some of our pastoral staff because they inadvertently opened up the door to demonic activity in their lives, believing that they were 
being appeared to by their departed loved ones, or they were sending them messages, or, or, or you understand things of this nature. Now, one of our church members sat in that service, that teaching two weeks ago, and here's the testimony. I had my 93-year-old dad listen to the Angels podcast. My mom passed away last April, and he has had a hard time. But he said he has been seeing her almost every evening and talking to her along with a dark shadow. After he listened to the, and I added to the teaching, he realized it wasn't her and knows the reality of not seeing her. In other words, he knows now he's not going to see her until he passes from this life and is reunited. Okay. He didn't know Satan had angels, and I, I add this, that could appear as loved one, and told them, now watch this now, he's talking to the being that has appeared to him, and told them, get out of his house with conviction. He has not seen anything since. It was bringing him down, thinking he was seeing her. He's Catholic, and now becoming interested about being saved, about being born again. Thank you for teaching us. Okay. So here, here is a practical application Okay, and if any of you don't believe in me, that I made this up, you come and see me after service, and I'll give you the guy's name. A 93-year-old man was rescued. Talk about the love of God. Rescued. Rescued from being tormented. And, and he, this has been going on ever since she passed away. So that since last April, this man has been tormented by this apparition. And let, look it. Here's a mere man. 93 years old. I don't know if he's born again yet. He may be. I don't know. But that spirit had to listen to a flesh and blood and bone mortal human being. And we get scared. Don't don't talk about the devil. Don't talk about the devil. Let me tell you something, okay? He's more scared of you than you ever need to be of him because he recognizes the power that a believer has in him. He recognizes the presence of the Holy Spirit on your life. He recognizes the fact that you know if you speak the word of God, he's got to listen. Just like he did to Jesus. Amen? They've got to listen. Now, whether those angels have been loyal to God or those angels became evil spirits, they still are bound to the principles that God has set up for them. And they've got to listen. They've got to listen to the voice of his word. Now, the angels of God, they hearken unto the voice of God. They're waiting to hear the word of God. The angels of Lucifer will do whatever they can do until somebody says, that's enough, in Jesus' name, stop it right now. But both have to obey the voice. So, what are we talking about here? How is this principle operating? Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. We're going to wrap it up. Then one was brought to him, Jesus, who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. So so this spirit that attached itself to this this person caused the person to be blind and caused the person to be mute. Okay? So how can it be possible? Those are physical. Do you remember Jesus how many times throughout the Gospels? It says that he dealt with a spirit of infirmity. Are you catching this? A spirit of infirmity is a, is a spirit, an evil spirit, that masquerades itself 
as a physical disease. You catching this? So I never heard of such a thing. Oh, really? You never heard of a person going to the doctor year after year after year after year, and the doctor says, I, I don't know what's causing this problem. I don't understand it. It defies all the textbooks. It doesn't make any sense. I know of a person like this many years ago, same situation. Person suffered with, with, with a situation in their life, a condition in their life, causing great pain for years and years and years and years and years, went from doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist, hospital to hospital, couldn't find out what was wrong. I knew the person, I knew their family. We were in a service one time, many, many years ago, Gary Whetstone was there, you remember Gary? Okay. Gary Whetstone, this gentleman from Delaware, minister from Delaware, pastor of a church there, powerful man of God, came to minister at the church here in Bricktown, not our church, another church. And I watched this. I was ushering that night. And I watched him. He's doing, going about his business, teaching. All of a sudden, he went, oh, excuse me, ma'am. She was sitting on this side of the room. Excuse me, ma'am. Uh, he, he counted how many rows up. He said, ma'am, would you stand up, please? Uh, the Spirit of God has shown me that there's an evil spirit that's attached itself to your body, described exactly where it was, spoke to the thing. She fell out in the spirit. You know what I'm talking about? She, 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 she just went out under the power of God, Okay. Got up, never had a problem from that day forward. Medical doctors can only do with medical problems. So, so here's the same situation here. So the woman was brought to him demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? In other words, is this the Messiah? Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, Beelzebub translates in Hebrew as Lord of the Flies, okay? The ruler of demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Now, he's, he's, he's not defending himself. He's explaining the answer to their accusation. He said... Let me see here. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, who do your sons cast them out? Therefore, you shall be the judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, don't get scared when you hear demon-possessed, demon, 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 evil spirits. They're angels that went bad and decided they put their money with the wrong one, okay? But if I cast out them by the Spirit of God, surely if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Verse 29 is where I wanted to get. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, then he will plunder his house? Pastor, what in God's name is Jesus talking about? Many times in Scripture, house is used as a symbol for a person. Did not Paul say to us in the scriptures, didn't he write to us that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit? He indwells us. Yes or no? Okay. So what is he saying here? In context, he's answering the accusation. Why? He just set this man free who was affected by a spirit that made him blind and made him mute. When Jesus took authority over that spirit, the spirit left, the man's ability to see and to speak returned. Why? Because it was never a physical problem to begin with. So Jesus is saying, I could not have set that person free if I did not first bind the who? The strong man. Who is he talking about? The strong man here, this is not a positive illustration. 
The straw man is the spirit that bound that person. So Jesus is saying, we have authority over these angels that have gone bad, that are representing the kingdom of darkness, okay? Now, I don't want to get into a whole big deal here, but we'll touch this another time because uh, I'm already out of time. I really should wrap this up here. Or the, the children's church workers are, are going to throw darts at my picture. <laughs> if you do not understand the position that God has assigned you in the ranking of his kingdom or just on the earth in general, then you will be subject to what these angels that went bad, they will do everything that they can to disrupt your life, to cause you grief, to rob, kill, and destroy, because that's the assignment that's on their lives also, okay? But you have to see where you fall in God's ranking. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, he's quoting Psalms, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? Verse 7, which I'm going to read you the correct translation. You have made him, who's him? Man. You have made man, look at, look at the rest of it, a little lower than what? The angels. And you have crowned him, who? Man, with glory and honor, and set him, man, over the works of your hands, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. Whose feet? Man. And not talking about natural man. It's talking about born-again man or woman who have the Holy Spirit living inside them. So do you see the ranking here? Because tradition and even, Christian, even traditional Christianity would put God, angels, us. We, because they're supernatural beings, automatically assume we're under them because we can't fly from one side of the universe to the other in two seconds or a split second. You see what I'm saying? We don't have wings. So we assume that they are superior to us, yet the scripture tells us they are under us. Paul said in one place, don't you know that you're going to judge angels? You see, you see what I'm saying? If you've had a traditional Christian upbringing, this upends everything that you've been taught. Now, if you come from the Catholic background, the same background that I come from, it certainly turns everything. Because in, in, we're taught, or less led to believe, it's God, okay, Mary, saints, and throw in a couple of angels with the saints, okay, and then us. Yes or no? You, you, you can say yes. You know, we're not going to... I know, you know it's true. I know it's true because I, I was raised in that. Yet the scriptures upend everything. It's God, born again man, angels. Okay? Now, why am I making a big deal out of this? Because some of you have some of these angels that went bad affecting your lives, affecting your children, affecting your finances. Listen to me. And, and you think you're powerless, especially if you haven't been walking right with the Lord. And you think, well, I really can't do anything because, you know, I sinned yesterday. And what about today? 
You don't think you're going to sin tomorrow too? God has gone out of his way in two different places in the scriptures, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, to tell us, no, it's me, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then born-again man, then the angels. You have authority over the bad ones. You have permission from God to release the good ones on your behalf. Make sure that you do that when you pray. And you pray. Now, I'm not saying don't do it all the time, but when the, if the Holy Spirit leads you to pray that way, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would send angels on behalf of so-and-so, especially if you sense that someone's in danger. Father, I pray that you would release your angels and surround so-and-so. Amen? Amen? Did you learn anything? Yes. Are you glad you came? Yes. You're going to come back next Wednesday night? Yes. Well, hold on, hold on. Lock the doors. Remember that we're receiving the offering. The ushers will be at the back doors with their buckets. Those of you that tonight is the night you usually give and bring your tithes, the ushers are at the back doors. God bless you. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. Go put into practice what we've learned. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.